podcast, and I'd like to welcome you to Flight 71 aboard the Moon or Bust rocket ship, your home for all things altcoins and DeFi. Ryan, how are you doing today? Man, I am down astronomically, but I'm still doing well. Michigan won again. I like that helmet. And Logan, welcome back to Michigan. Thank you so much. I've been down in Miami enjoying the the Art Basel, meeting all these people in the crypto community. If you were there, drop a comment uh, and, and maybe next year we get a chance to link up. That'd be awesome. It was definitely a really cool experience overall. Crypto is taking over Miami. It's taking over the art space. Uh, and I can tell you from firsthand experience. Ryan, what are we doing on today's show? Well, we got some technical analysis coming up on the markets. Things are down bad, but hopefully we'll we'll have some conviction today on today's show. And we'll also be talking to Brian from Bro- Brave Browser. He's one of the co-founders, so definitely stay tuned for that. Sounds great, Ryan. And if there's a producer out there, could you uh, add my screen share to the stream, please? Uh, otherwise, I'll just do it real quick. Not a big... Oh, there we go. All right. Can you see it, Ryan? How are we yes, looking? I can. We're looking All right. down bad, like I said. <laughs> but hey, we can see it. All right. So that was the title of today's episode. Crypto is down bad. But what they don't want you to know uh, is that we're at the same price as we were at like two weeks ago. So, you know... Uh, in all honesty, I'm not too freaked out, uh, but we'll be taking a look, breaking some some things down and looking at interesting plays uh, to buy the dip. The fear and greed index is pretty high right now. There's a lot of fear in the market. Typically, that's a pretty good bullish signal, a good time to buy, uh, you know, not not 100% of the time, but right now I think it, it might be. So we should start off with, with just a little bit of overview uh, let's see. We got Ripple down 20%, Polkadot down 26%, Bitcoin's down 16%, ETH down 6 Uh, The whole market's down pretty bad on the seven-day. Hey, don't forget about Terra Luna, Logan. Terra's still ripping. Yeah, Terra does w- not give a frick about the rest <laughs> of the markets. No, they really don't. And that's one I want to talk about a little bit more later today. I mean, we saw that huge crash and then the next day set a new all-time high. Uh, Luna is definitely one to keep our eyes on going forward. But let's hop over to the charts. Uh, and Ryan, what are we looking at here for Bitcoin? Okay, so Bitcoin, what are we at? Like 48,000. So we had a flash crash over the weekend. You know, I was at the club. I didn't see it. I woke up in the morning, saw we crashed down to like $42,000. But we're back up. You know, we recovered to 48,000. Sure, we're down, but when in doubt, zoom out. We are still up on the year. And really, we've been moving relatively flat over 2021. So, I mean, I'm not too scared about it. We did break down out of this triangle, but I think this is just a short-term movement. I think we'll reclaim prices in the $50,000 range this month, but we'll see where it goes. We were definitely looking a lot more bullish just last week. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, I mean, we could still see new all-time highs this year. I know there's only a month left, so it's kind of a, a super bullish claim to make, but I don't think it's out of the question. Logan, what do you think? What was your claim there? 50,000 new all-time highs by the end of the year? I said, yeah, new all-time highs by the end of the year are still possible. What do you think? That's a great question. And, and, you know, a week ago, I would have said 10,000%. I'm still hopeful. I mean, it's definitely not impossible by any means, Um, but there's a lot that we have to see happen first. So if we can build some support at this 50,000, like 49,000 level, which it looks like we've reclaimed and held uh, just barely for like the past two or three days. Uh, And then we, you know, we see historically, this has been a significant level. It was significant here as well. I think, you know, the more support we can get, the better it will be when we do take off. So I'm still bullish. If if we do lose this line uh, for, you know, another extended period of time, then I might start to get a little bit concerned. But I think that, you know, 69K is certainly not the market cycle top. Let me know what you guys think out there in the chat. Drop a comment. Let us know uh, your outlook. Will we see a new Bitcoin all-time high by the end of the year? And while you're down there, make sure to smash the like button. Bitcoin is down horrendous, so we need we need some likes to you know make us not cry ourselves to sleep for the fourth night in a row. All right, let's flip over. Uh, I don't have ETH open. You want to take a look at ETH before we go to ETH BTC? I mean, all eyes are on ETH BTC right now, so we could just go right to it. 
Yeah, let's go right to it. And ETH right. BTC looks really bullish right now. So this is the pair trading Ethereum and Bitcoin proportionally. Uh, so Bitcoin's down, Ethereum's down as well, but only down like 6% compared to Bitcoin's 12%. So we're looking bullish in terms of Bitcoin. We're getting kind of close to that 0.1 level. I don't think we'll quite reach it this month, but that would be awesome if we did. If Bitcoin was trading at, say, $50,000, then we'd see a $5,000 Ethereum. I just don't think we can see new all-time highs for Ethereum without new all-time highs for Bitcoin or at the very least seeing Bitcoin reclaim maybe sixty to $65,000. What do you think, Logan? Yeah, I tend to agree with you. And historically, that has been the case every single time. Every, every time we've seen Bitcoin crash, Bitcoin has been king. It's been the market leader. And Ethereum has fallen uh, as well. And also it's fallen relative to Bitcoin. But this has all changed for the first time. Basically, as far as I could tell, uh, ETH BTC pair has gone bullish while Bitcoin is crashing. Okay, so we've had this, uh, you know, bull flag that's been going for almost the entire year now since the original peak uh, of ETH in May. And, you know, Bitcoin, when it when it falls, ETH falls too. However, we broke out of this right before the big Bitcoin correction and then Bitcoin corrected and we bounced off the top of this line and we're now resuming the uptrend. I mean, everybody, uh, you know, that I've been talking to ha has been paying significant, significant attention to this. The conversation of the flippening has been more and more relevant. And, and I've even seen some people so bullish that they're saying uh, the flippening is the start of the market cycle, the second leg of the market cycle. Ryan, do you think that, that we could see it, uh, you know, within the next 12 months? Yeah, I mean, I think we can. I think the odds are getting more and more likely as we see Ethereum become more bullish than Bitcoin. I mean, Ethereum is such a more productive asset than Bitcoin, so I don't think it can react to the market quite as fast as Bitcoin can. We see 7% of Ethereum supply locked on ETH 2.0 now, mm -hmm. and we see about a quarter of its supply locked in different DeFi smart contracts, mm -hmm. as well as a lot of Ethereum being used for NFTs and a million other different use cases. So I would not be surprised if Ethereum does flip Bitcoin. That being said, if Ethereum does flip Bitcoin, I'm not so convinced that Ethereum will stay the market leader in a long-term bear market. You know, if we're down for a year or two, I think Bitcoin may reclaim the number one spot in the cryptocurrency markets uh, just because it has so much staying power and institutions are in on Bitcoin. Harder for them to sell. But I mean, at the end of the day, mm -hmm. Ethereum is a much more productive asset than Bitcoin. So I could see that along with its narrative really becoming the market leader, say, within the next 12 months. Yeah, and not that all these institutional players are in the market, they're controlling the markets. Uh, you know, the previous market cycles have been mostly retail. Uh, and so that is how we've had to think we've had to, to adopt that mindset. Now we might have to start shifting towards adopting the institutional mindset, which means that things might not play out exactly as they have in the past. Uh, and this ETH BTC breakout could be an indicator of that. I mean, we've seen these institutions recognize the power of Bitcoin, but even more recognize the, the potential of DeFi and smart contract blockchains primarily Ethereum. We're seeing some of these big firms issue guidance that Ethereum could take over Bitcoin. Like you said, Ryan, they're realizing it's a more productive asset. Uh, and, you know, we might just see that flipping happen. Let us know what you guys think uh, in the chat. I'm curious to hear if you think it will happen and when you think it will happen. Um, but it makes sense to me. I mean, Bitcoin is one application of decentralized finance. It's a store of value, right? Then we have every other application of finance, right? It's not just gold in finance. There's derivatives. There's, you know, tokenizing assets, all this other stuff. It needs smart contract blockchains. We saw ETH getting damn near close to flipping Bitcoin uh, back in June of 2017. And, and this is when Bitcoin had a slight correction off the top and then ETH hit its market cycle top. It was like uh, within a couple billion dollars of flipping Bitcoin back then. So if we are able to set new all-time highs on this trading pair, uh, I think that that means we'll probably see the flipping. But this is totally just speculation right now. I mean, this is pretty unprecedented uh so we'll definitely have to keep our eyes on it going forward and logan can we see that glass node chart one more time heck yeah you can so what we're at like 250 billion dollars locked in DeFi on ethereum's blockchain is that right yes wow, it is that's, that's even more than i thought and ethereum's market cap is not even half a trillion dollars anymore so the majority of ether locked on its blockchain is actually you know staked and not liquid right now which is absolutely crazy right 
Do you think this is just the Ethereum that's staked in DeFi? I thought it was TVL. So like maybe if oh, okay. swap tokens are staked, you. right? Uh, that would count. Yeah, that as makes well. a lot of sense. That definitely counts as well. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the majority of that is still Ethereum because most of the pairs are Ether with a ERC twenty token, and a lot of that, like I said before, about seven percent of the supply is actually staked on ETH two, and that's all Ether. Yeah, and if we take a look at this chart, this is the addresses with a non-zero balance, okay? And this chart's going all the way back to 2015. Uh, and in blue right here, we see the number of addresses with a non-zero balance. And it is at all-time highs, okay? So more and more people uh, are starting to use Ethereum. They're creating new wallets. They're loading them up. They're inserting money into the ecosystem. Uh, and this is going to create a-, a lot of staying power. Um, but let's see, let's see. The addresses with balance over one, also at an all-time high. What about addresses with balance over 10,000 Ethereum? This is going to be interesting. So going back to, to 2015, once again, there's a lot more volatility as these are the whales that are uh, probably making you know much more uh, active plays in the ecosystem. But we see uh, it did recently hit a new all-time high earlier this year and has been decreasing slightly. I think the, the uh, smart contract you know, blockchain wars with Solana, Avalanche, uh, they've been interesting these investors as well. So it doesn't really surprise me what we see here. Um, Ryan, you want to take a look at any other charts on Glassnode? Uh, nothing there is really sticking out to me. What about the uh, ETH locked in ETH2? Let's, yeah, let's, let's check take a look that at out. that. New value, total value staked. Okay, so ETH2, the transition to proof of stake. Uh, you can lock up your ETH right now for around 5 to 10% annual interest uh, on your ETH, and you can't pull it out until the ETH2 merge is complete. Uh, so this number only goes up, obviously, uh, and it is, it's interesting how it follows the price recently. It's kind of been staying within it. I don't know if there's any significance there, but we see the number continuing to to increase. More and more of of the Ether supply is becoming illiquid, locked into this uh, Ethereum 2 smart contract. So it's taking liquidity off of the exchanges, and that should be maybe the one that we look at next. Exchange balance. Let's see here. Ryan, you you want to talk about exchange balance while I try to find this? Yeah, exchange balances can be a really bullish indicator if it's decreasing and it could be a bearish indicator if it's increasing uh, because the ETH held on exchanges typically shows the liquidity on the platform, right? So if people are transferring to exchanges, they're usually looking for liquidity to sell their Ethereum, whereas if it's going off of exchanges, it's typically being locked up in DeFi protocols you know, or being used to be staked on ETH2 or stuff like that. So typically a bearish signal if more of the supply is coming onto the exchange or a bullish signal if more ETH is leaving exchanges. Now, over this past year, we've seen a lot of Ethereum leave exchanges. And this is typically because they're looking to either, you know, buy NFTs, use it in DeFi or, you know, mostly use it in DeFi. I think that's where most of this volume is coming from. Uh, Logan, do you have that chart pulled up? I believe this is the one we want here. Uh Exchange balance. Exchange. It looks like it is, but yeah. I'm not totally sure. Either that or percent. Either one works. I like the percent. All right. You want to break it down? Yeah. So we had an all-time high of around 27% of Ether held on exchanges way back in July of 2016. But as you can see, around January 2020, we hit our local peak and we've been trending down ever since. And like I said before, you know, that makes a lot of sense because now you can really use your Ethereum, whereas back in 2017, the only Mm -hmm. place you could really use your Ethereum is if you're buying an ICO, um, which, you know, wasn't really ideal. Now you can use it for all these different applications. So more and more people are doing that and it becomes less liquid. So Ether was it's definitely more liquid in DeFi than it is being staked on ETH2. As Logan mentioned, you can't pull out any of that mm-hmm. Ether staked on ETH2 until the transition actually happens, which will probably be sometime next year. With these DeFi applications, however, you can take it out at any point. So there, it's still pretty liquid, but still harder to do than being held on an exchange because you do incur those gas fees and you have to transfer across the blockchain, do a few different movements before you can actually get liquidity from your Ethereum. So like I said, a bullish indicator and we, it looks like we're close to new all-time lows for the amount of Ether held on exchanges. Mm-hmm. And Ryan, if you see any comments in the chat that you want to bring up, you want to talk about, uh, you, you, I'm going to need to have you put those on the screen for me sure. because I can James actually has right a now. good comment here. James Santagello, he says... 
Personally, I'd rather see sideways consolidation going into 2022 than a new high rally. We need to cool off. You know, I think that we both share this a similar idea here, mm -hmm. Logan. What do you think about that? Yeah, I completely agree with James. I think that consolidation, building more support is only going to be more bullish for 2022. Uh, we've talked about this a lot, but time is on our side when it comes to the crypto markets. The longer we wait for that market cycle top, the higher it has the potential to be. So James, great, great idea. I think that you are definitely on to something. So uh, Ryan, if there's any other comments, then go for it. Otherwise, we could talk about maybe uh, maybe some reasons people are, are looking at to explain this recent correction. Yeah, have you heard of any reasons for uh, explanation of this correction? Because I really haven't. Everything's been pretty quiet on my end. Uh, mm -hmm. But have you heard anything in the news? I, I have been following along. I think the primary uh, reason for this major correction was was an over leveraged short term holder position. Okay, so we saw, uh, you know, basically ten a new all time high and like ten percent price discovery, uh, followed by this significant correction. So a bunch of people saw that new all time high, saw that it was going to keep going, uh, and they leveraged up. They were a little bit late and they needed to be flushed out. So uh, we saw we've seen billions of dollars flushed out from Bitcoin and Ethereum over the past couple of days. I mean, within, there was billions within a couple hours. Right. Uh, so now we could see the, the futures open interest here is way, 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 way lower than it was just a couple of weeks ago uh, or just a couple of days ago, actually. And so so spot spot trading is back in control of the market. Uh, which I think is pretty healthy. I mean, we we see this pattern. There's always going to be, uh, you know, some variance here. So now that we have spot in control of the market, we can kind of let the the illiquid supply take over. We can let retail, uh, you know, take their time to adopt. I mean, we we haven't seen a whole whole lot of exponential growth in the new users, the new wallet balances, like I showed earlier. Um, and I think that with a little bit of time, that could really start to pick up. Supply is continually decreasing. Uh, and, and so I'm looking for some very, very bullish sideways action right now. Logan, were you liquidated this past week? I need to know. Well, Ryan, I hate to break it to you, but I did not have any positions open. So I was not liquidated, uh, but I did cry a lot. <laughs> As you do. How about you? Did you have any uh, any leverage oh, positions no. open? No, I don't leverage trade anymore, Logan. You know me. I learned the hard way. No more <laughs> leverage trading. There's honestly no need to be leverage trading in this market. You know, if you see a good play, Logan, which I know you've seen some good plays before, and you're able to make some good money pretty quickly, then, you know, go ahead. But make sure that most of your position is in spot trades because you can't get liquidated. And if you're convicted over the long term, then nothing's better than just having a spot position. You won't get liquidated and you can, you know, over the long term, watch your positions grow. I, I think you can't go wrong with spot trading. Yeah, that's great advice there, Ryan. And especially for the new traders. I mean, I, I think I traded uh, for like almost three or four years before I had the, the courage and the conviction to make a leverage trade. Uh, and, and even then, it was terrifying. Uh, I, I closed it as soon as I thought the top was in. Um, I got pretty lucky. I did well on, on my first attempt. We'll call it beginner's luck. Um, but but I'm very, very cautious with leverage. Unless I have insane conviction, um, I'm just going to stay with spot for the most part. The the majority of my portfolio that is somewhat leveraged are, are Coinbase option calls. Uh, and, and I put a lot into these Coinbase options. I was up big time, didn't take any profits like a noob, and now I'm down bad. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully my strikes are, are placed far enough out. I have some in March and some in July. Uh, that I'll have time to recover, um, but I'm definitely paying the the options premium right now for that leverage, uh, and it's pretty painful. I want a DCA, but I already have so much into that position. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ryan, I, I've talked to you a little bit about Coinbase stocks right now. What do you think about them? And I also want to toss it out to the chat. Are you guys looking uh, at Coinbase as, as a crypto player? Are you all in on, on just straight crypto assets? And yeah, Logan, as a crypto supporter, I do love coin. I think it can be a good play, especially leveraged with options. I think that could be smart. It has a really strong narrative around it, especially as they get deeper and deeper into DeFi and they release their NFT platform. 
But I think crypto can succeed in a bull market without stocks being in a bull market. I think Coinbase is a lot more dependent on the stock market doing well than crypto is. So I haven't gotten into any coin positions for that reason. I'm 100% in crypto. I don't own any stocks at the moment. Um, but I have been tempted. I know I've told you before, I've been tempted. I've been looking at coin stock, thinking about loading up on some options. I just I don't know if I have the conviction to do it. I think the stock market is a little bit shaky right now with the Omicron variant and all these mm. other factors going around. So I have not bought. I may in the future, but not right now. Yeah, definitely. If you are looking into it, I mean, it's not a bad time uh, to, to maybe pick up a tiny position in it and then you can DCA from there. Uh, you know, you know, Ryan, I've told you this many times, but just to the viewers out there, I never recommend um, when I'm, when my friends ask me, I, I say, never put in your whole investment at once. You got to space it out. Give yourself some room for error. Uh, and, you know, that's probably the safest bet. But let's take a look at Bitcoin addresses with a non-zero balance. So we, we saw some volatility in this in 2018, people clearing out their accounts. Uh, and then since then, it's been continually going up. Uh, I wonder if they, if we could spot El Salvador in here somewhere. I mean, it's it's pretty impossible to tell, but uh, it is bullish. It is, I think, at an all time high right now. So this is good news all around. And let's let's see if we can find the uh, you know the liquidity on the markets right now. Um, on exchanges, probably. Yeah, exchange balance. All right, so I'm going to zoom out a little bit. Whoa. All right, if we go back to 2015, uh, we could see the percent of the total Bitcoin supply on exchanges was really, really low back in 2016. That's what enabled us to have this insane, uh, you know, short squeeze, price run, whatever you want to call it. Uh, then obviously people taking profits, sending their coins back to exchanges uh, to get that fiat. Uh, because people still use that back in 2019. But now we see it's been decreasing since January uh, or since March of 2020. And I think that this is this is shortly after the happening. So people knew what was up. People knew something was coming uh, and, and they've been buying, pulling off exchanges. This level is, I mean, it's only 13% of the total Bitcoin supply that, that's liquid at this point. I'd like to see this continue to go lower. It's I think it was pretty similar to the Ethereum number. Um, yeah, that's all. That's really all I got on that round. You want to add anything? Yeah, you know, I find it interesting that the supply and exchanges was increasing a ton back in 2017, but now it's decreasing during the bull market of 2021. Usually we see the same trends in regards to price, but here we're not seeing that. I'm not really sure why that is. Maybe it's because crypto just wasn't that big in 2017. So these exchanges needed to get more liquidity to, mm. you know, supplement all the new users. But mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure. It's definitely interesting to see it go down during a bull market because, you know, before it was going up with the price. And I don't know if you can zoom out any more than that. I'm sure mm -hmm. there's not too much data from exchanges prior to, you know, 2015, 2016. But that'd be interesting to see if this is the first time we're actually decreasing the supply on exchanges during a bull market. All right, here we go. Uh, so obviously, back in 2012, there were no exchanges for the supply to be on. Uh, and Ryan, you made an interesting point about these exchanges needing liquidity for the first time seriously. Uh, but now these exchanges had liquidity, the market uh, is a lot more, uh, you know, succinct and, and filled out. So now we're seeing price going up. And the supply coming off of exchanges. If you ask me, this is insanely bullish. Okay, people are refusing to take profits. They're refusing to sell back into fiat, at least on these exchanges. Uh, instead, they are pulling all money off of the exchanges or pulling Bitcoin off the exchanges uh, and holding it in their wallets. So uh, I, I think this is bullish. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's for sure bullish. And I think that a lot of holders probably have some long-term conviction now. Seeing institutions buy into Bitcoin and put it on their balance sheet. A lot of people trust Elon Musk and a lot of people trust Kathy Wood and Jack Dorsey. So I bet there's going to be a ton more long-term conviction this market cycle than there was before. So that's really cool to see. Indeed it is. And so I'm going to pull my screen share off now. We have a couple news items that we got to talk about, uh, but we have a sick 
interview coming up for you today. If anyone out there uses Brave Browser, drop a comment, let us know, and also smash the like button because we have the co-founder of Brave Browser on with us today. We're going to be bringing him on in just two or three minutes. Uh, but Ryan, tell us about the crypto execs talking to the Congressional Committee Committee this week. Yeah, I'll be quick, but they're talking to this congressional committee on December 8th, so in two days on Wednesday. And this includes some really big names from Circle, from Coinbase, Stellar Lumens, and even Sam Bankman-Fried from FTX. They'll all be appearing before the SEC uh, to talk about cryptocurrencies and talk about you know what should be considered a security, what should be considered a commodity. So definitely keep your eyes out for that. It should be interesting to see how that all plays out. And then our second piece of news, Logan, Board Ape Yacht Club is releasing a game. This looks really exciting, and it's for members only. What is this all about? All right, so let me just show you the trailer, okay? This is a, a limited-time competition. The Bored Apes are gonna, going to be pitted against the Mutant Apes uh, in some sort of, like, MMORPG-esque game. Uh, and, and, you know, we see a lot of crypto projects are in gaming. A lot of NFT projects are promising games, uh, but they don't have trailers like this. And uh, obviously, Board Ape Yacht Club has the funds to do it. Uh, but so does Larva Labs, the CryptoPunks team. And yet we don't have it from them. So another bullish indicator. I mean, we had the Board Ape Yacht Club parties at NFT NYC at Art Basel this weekend, uh, and the CryptoPunk parties were nowhere to be found. And we've seen, uh, you know, all these celebrities aping into the the Board Apes to the Mutant Apes. Uh, we see this Adidas partnership coming very, very soon uh, with the Board Ape Yacht Club. I mean, the cultural phenomenon. Uh, that is the Board API Club is kind of encapsulating the crypto punks lately. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I love the crypto punks. I think that they are uh, forever going to be the the OGs of the space. Uh, but right now, I think it might be Board Ape Yacht Club's turn. I mean, we see the floor on those is going up while the punks are going down. Uh, yeah, I mean, let let me know what you guys think out there in the chat. Are you in either of these projects? Uh, or do you have a favorite? Do you have any hot takes on what we just talked about? Uh, but this game was supposed to be here, I think, this week. Uh, but bad news, rugged by Apple, okay? So uh, Board Ape Yacht Club tweeted this out, I think, yes, yeah, yesterday night. Uh, and the mobile game competition ha has had to be delayed because Apple is refusing to approve the app. Okay, so they had it on test flight, which is like the Apple App Store beta uh, version, had it out for weeks, uh, and then they denied it. Zero explanation for the cause of the takedown. Um, and, and, you know, this is classic big tech right here. I mean, Apple typically, they especially lately, you know, opening up the, the parts to retail consumers consumers they've been a lot more consumer friendly uh, especially the when compared to like google or facebook but big tech does have their grip on uh you know the consumers and the users of the internet that is why we have brian from brave browser on today to talk to us about what brave is trying to do to combat big tech and restore power to retail so I'm going to turn off my screen share once again and welcome Brian to Moonerbust. How are you doing today? Hey guys, I'm doing great. Nice to uh, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. So let's get right into it. Uh, Brave Browser has become the de facto favorite of the crypto world, and I want to know why you think this is. Cool, thanks. Yeah, we've seen amazing growth. Like our our monthly active users, um, which is like the uh, the number of users that have used Brave within an individual month. It's currently at 46 million. And if you look back like one year since 2020, we we're only at 24 million. So like we're looking at more than a double by the end of the year, um, which is pretty amazing. And then our daily active users are close to 15 million. Um, and then verified creators, which is like you guys are creators, for example. Um, anyone that has a website, a YouTube channel, GitHub account, uh, Twitch, Twitter, Vimeo, et cetera. Um, we have 1.3 million of them signed up as well. Um, so, so yeah, the, the growth is really amazing. The crypto community in particular has really adopted us. Um, but why, why do I think that is? I think it's maybe because we have, we're a lot of firsts at Brave. So like we have, um, we're the first ones to do like IPFS local node directly in your browser. So yeah. you can load like any IPFS URL directly in your browser without installing an extension. Mm -hmm. 
um, you have ad blocking built in without um, uh, ad, ad blocking and tracking protection built in. Um, you have ENS, like the ability to load uh, .eth domain, unstoppable mm -hmm. domains, um, uh, .crypto, uh, which is unstoppable. Um, and then even things like WebTorrent built in as well. So um, I think that's a big reason why. And then we were also one of the first, I wouldn't say one of the first, but things really got crazy after we did the bad ICO. We were really early on into that. I think it was 2015 that we did the bad ICO. Um, and that raised 36 million in under 30 seconds. I remember I was uh, refreshing the block tracker, waiting for the block to happen for that that ICO. And um, I was actually, once it hit the block, I was planning, okay, once it hits that block, I'll go and I'll buy some of that as well. And uh, I was just reloading the page. It was taking a while to reload. And then all of a sudden I got a Slack message and they're like, it's over. I'm like, what do you mean it's over? Did it start yet? It's pretty, pretty neat. Um, so, so I think we got probably a lot of attention from the crypto community from that as well. But, but right from the start, um, uh, Brave was built um, with a, with a uh, Bitcoin prototype basically built into it. And then over time, like gas fees was um, was just like too high. The transaction fees were just too high, basically not gas, but transaction fees. Could you talk about some of the problems we see in big tech right now uh, and why Brave and you set out to fix these problems? Um, I would say the biggest problem is just tracking users and monetizing user data. And um, no one really cares about your privacy these days. And when I say no one, I mean particularly I think people like uh, our companies like Google or Facebook and uh, um, just a big uh, no regard for, for your privacy, basically, like um, the whole ad ecosystem, um, it's built around your data being shared to uh, one of many different servers. And then there's inevitably leaks and things like that as well that happen. Um, and uh, so, so at Brave, we try to give the data back into the hands of the users um, and make users on their own data, basically. Cool. And Brian, I know you already mentioned a lot of features on Brave browser, but what else makes Brave unique from other browsers? And especially, you know, if you're into cryptocurrency, why should we use Brave browser? Sure. Um, so the tracking protection that I mentioned, um, I, I, I touched on it, but I didn't really explain what it does. But um, when you enable tracking protection by default, like we did at Brave, and I believe we're the first browser to actually do that like by default. Some browsers, you can install extensions to do it, like uBlock Origin, for example. Um, but when you do that, you're, you're using less CPU because you have less processes. Like when you visit a website, every unique domain has its own process. Um, so you're using less processes, less memory, less CPU, less bandwidth. Because when you're blocking an iframe, you're probably blocking like 100 requests after that. Um, so that gives us mm -hmm. a lot of speed basically when we do that kind of blocking. Um, Another big difference is like our revenue is not dependent like on a major search engine. So like if you look at Firefox, for example, if they have like a Google deal or something like that, um, they're completely reliant on Firefox. And I think that kind of um, will kind of sway their behavior, influence their behavior, I guess, and, and standards bodies and, and things like that. Um, and then we have like uh, recently we did our built in um, Brave wallet. Um, and then Brave ads is another big thing as well. So um, I, I noticed someone in the chat mentioned that uh, uh, they were using Brave until they uh, uh, got too many ads. <laughs> um, so basically, Brave ads is opt-in, though. Um, so they might have accidentally turned it on, so they could go turn it off if they want. Um, just go to Brave, clone slash slash rewards, and there's a little checkbox that says, like, turn off Brave ads. So you could do that right there if you wanted to. Um, so yes, it's opt-in. The idea is to pay users for their attention. Um, we have uh, basically ads across 200 different countries, uh, 7.5 billion uh, ad confirmations. Um, 5,000 ad campaigns, 900 advertisers, um, and then a lot of big uh, crypto brands like Coinbase, Crypto.com, eToro, Gemini, Solana. Um, and then also mainstream brands like PayPal, Ford, Toyota, MasterCard, Intel, Crocs, BMW, American Express, uh, Budweiser, Walmart, Amazon, Home Depot, et cetera. There's, there's uh, basically a lot of adoption for it. Um, and the click-through rate on Brave is... Uh, 8% uh, for, for ads that are viewed. Um, and if you could compare that, it's only 2% is the industry average. Wow. So when you opt into an ad, then what happens next? You know, you have your wallet connected. I assume you get paid in BAT, right? So how does that all work? Yeah, exactly. Um, so basically it starts off around like the advertiser, right? An advertiser basically says, I want to advertise, right? Um, so they can buy ads. So they can buy ads with that, or they can buy ads with U.S. dollars. Now, if they use U.S. dollars, then Brave is the one that goes out and it buys um, it buys the bat for them um, and converts it to that. Um, and if you look at uh, Brave.com/transparency, you'll see all the individual purchases um, 
I think we do them like maybe quarterly or something, like uh, actually like once a month, I think about something like that. And you can see every purchase that we do for, um, mm -hmm. for the case basically. Um, so yeah, so advertisers buy the ads. Um, we pay the users to turn on the ads. Um, so again, they can turn it off, but then they won't get paid uh, back for it. Um, and then our hopes is that um, those users then pay um, content creators like you guys, um, anyone that signs up to our, uh, our publishers or creators uh, back end basically. Awesome. And so what about those websites that say you need to disable ad block if you want to read their site? How does that work on Brave? Yeah, um, for the most part, I hope that people don't run into that too often. But if you want to, there's always like a little lion icon on the top of the browser. Um, you just click that and you can turn off the shields and um, or just turn off like a portion of the shields. Like you can, there's a bunch of different kinds of protections. So you can just turn off only the, um, the ads and tracker blocking, for example, if you want to. Awesome. So you said you have four times the click-through rate of the industry standard. That must be insanely enticing to these advertisers. How do you think you were able to capture that high number? Um, I think it's probably the type of users that we have, right? Like we have those early adopters. We have those, the, the people that um, are crypto-heavy users that, that, that like the crypto community. Um, so I, I think it's in big part because of because of the type of users that are using Brave, probably. Very interesting. And Brian, you co-founded Brave. What does your day-to-day -day look like now? Um, so a lot of um, managing people, managing projects. Um, uh, I still uh, surprisingly get a lot of coding done. Um, let's see, um, a lot of project management stuff. Lately, uh, Brave Wallet that we recently released has taken up a lot of my focus, so, so that as well. Awesome. We'll get to the Brave Wallet in just a second. Sure. And Brian, I know you already mentioned like what the role of basic attention token is within the Brave browser, but I'm interested to know what kind of partnership you have with basic attention token. Did you guys do this ICO alongside BAT or did you partner with them? Is this some type of alliance? Uh, could you just speak more on basic attention token and how that plays a role within the company? Yeah, we did the ICO. It was uh, 1.5 billion tokens originally, um, and 1 billion of those were, were uh, for sale in the ICO. 300 million was used for uh, the user growth pool, which is basically to uh, to grow the, the user base and the, and the community. And 200 million of that was for uh, development purposes. Okay, cool. And how can you use basic attention token within the Brave browser? I remember when I downloaded it, I was getting like $5 a month, which was super cool and basic attention token. And I was able to tip some people, but you had to turn it on. Um, so how is that developed and how can you use basic attention token within Brave browser? Yeah, so if you go to any um, content creator that you like, um, you can go and you can tip them um, if, they're, if they're signed up to uh, the, the creator's uh, system. We also have this thing called auto contribute, so it automatically kind of figures out um, which sites you visit the most and kind of proportionally gives out uh, rewards to those users as well. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're also looking into like using Brave rewards for like swap rewards. So if you swap within our wallet, for example, we'll be able to give out um, uh, bad rewards there as well. Awesome. And so you mentioned this, uh, you recently released the Brave browser wallet. Uh, could you talk to us about why you did this and, and what you offered that's maybe different from the other wallets out there? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so we originally, like we had a wallet for a long time. And, and what we did was we created a, a fork of MetaMask to start with. Um, MetaMask didn't really like that. <laughs> so they, uh, <laughs> they changed their license um, and they basically said it's free, but not if you have over this many users, then you can't use it. Hmm. Um, so we were kind of, I wouldn't say stuck because we could still develop off of the last commit basically until they did their license change. Um, but it wasn't our code base. It was kind of hard to maintain ourselves because we didn't write it originally right. Um, and also, it was an extension. Um, and extensions are not really ideal because um, as soon as you start up your browser, if you compare that side to side with Chrome, you'll see that Chrome has uh, less memory if, if we have an extension loaded by default, right? So you kind of want to minimize out of the box how many extensions you have. Um, so basically, we did a rewrite from that from scratch with native code. And it's basically just part of the Chromium browser now, um, but inside Brave. Um, and it doesn't have like those extra processes that it uses in the background. Um, it doesn't have like um, a lot of extensions have these like hundreds of NPM dependencies and a lot of them have security vulnerabilities and uh, it's it's kind of not great for security. Um, so we, we dramatically decreased the number of dependencies that it has. Um, 
and uh, the UI just wasn't that great, I think, in, uh, in, in MetaMask as well. So having our own wallet that we created from scratch was a, a big win, I think. Have you seen adoption of this wallet, especially from MetaMask users? Um, I would say so, yeah. Like, like we, we track like um, the daily active user count, basically, um, and that's like uh, been going up since we did the new wallet release, whereas it was more more like a uh, straight line almost for uh, for the old wallet. So I think that um, the number of users that are, that are using the new wallet is definitely increased by a lot. Um, and I think it's a superior product as well. There's of course, we just released it. So there's of course some like edge cases to work through and uh, things like that. But I think that it's gonna be great. Um, and one, one thing that our wallet has that other users don't have is that 46 million monthly active users that are using Brave um, and then they have a wallet built into it as well. So um, I think that we have like really great team on it. Um, <clears throat> so um, that combined with the user count, um, I think it's going to be a winning uh, formula. And Brian, I know privacy and security are a really big deal for Brave browser. What's in place to protect users' privacy and security on the browser? Yeah, so I mentioned the tracking protection, which blocks, um, that works via the, these lists, like um, it's called easy list basically, but we have a bunch of other lists as well that we use. Um, and that basically looks at URL patterns and um, tracking parameters and things like that, and it blocks uh, certain URLs. Uh, we kind of took that a step further than even like uBlock does. Um, we also have this thing called sugarcoat, which will, because um, when you block like an ad, uh, not an ad, like a tracker um, script, um, you might have some web combat issues where like a site doesn't work completely perfectly, right? Um, so we have this, this system called sugarcoat, which can automatically take a tracking script as input. It can suck out all the tracking parts of it and make it look exactly the same. So the website still thinks it's working like normal. Um, so we did that. Um, we had changes like um, removing tracking param uh, parameters from URLs. Um, if you search uh, deviations from Chromium in Google, uh, Brave, you'll, you'll find like we have a list of like 50 different things that we block that kind of calls out to Google servers when you use Chrome. Um, and then things like fingerprinting protection. So what that is, is like websites use these little bits of information um, about the users so they can track the users over time. Um, and we basically um, do that to make an individual user look different every time that they go to a website. Uh, so coming from an advertiser perspective, obviously you have that higher click-through rate uh, and you also offer these services to convert to BAT for them. Um, what are some of the other revenue models you guys have going right now uh, or uh, plan on implementing in the future? Yeah, so we also have um, Brave Search that we released uh, recently and that's um, an independent search index. So if you look at something like DuckDuckGo, for example, um, they're using Bing in the background. Hmm. Um, but uh, Brave Search is actually an independent uh, index completely from, from Google or Bing or anything else. Um, and um, it's going to be ad supported eventually. Um, so we do, uh, like we're experimenting with an option of um, having like a $3 a month payment type thing if you want to just get rid of the ads and not opt into the, the bad side of it, like the bad ad rewards side of it. Um, so that's one way. Um, VPN is like a premium service. I think we have um, a premium like news service as well. Um, so like a, a VPN subscription, we only have it on iOS, but it's coming really soon to uh, to desktop and Android as well. So you could sign up for a VPN subscription as well through Brave. So, so premium services is another one. Awesome. So Brian, I, I want to get tipped in crypto. As a creator, how do I go about setting up an account and getting BAT as a gift from all my fans out there? Yeah, sure. Um, so just go to creators.brave.com. Um, and then the, the process is pretty easy. Like you can register your website. Um, the website's probably the hardest one because you have to add like a meta tag or um, a, a, a C name alias. Or, um, I think it's C name. Um, uh, on your, your DNS config. Um, YouTube and things like that is a lot easier. You just OAuth basically into to connect it. Um, and then you can connect um, Uphold or Gemini um, to for, for where your um, rewards basically get deposited into which exchange. Now, do you have support for ENS domains, or is that coming, or is that not coming because yeah, no, it's not supported already. Um, okay. so you can type any like Brantley.eth or something like that right in the URL bar to load that web page. Um, that and also the other side of um, uh, of those systems is that you can use them to store your addresses as well, right? So. Um, if you're in Brave Wallet, you want to send money to someone, you can just type like Brantley.eth and then send, send them. 
And is, is all this tipping on chain or is there a way you can get around that with layer twos or something else? Um, the, the reward system is not on chain. On chain is something that a lot of users want. Um, however, like that's currently on Ethereum is the biggest place where it's at. It's starting to get onto more places like Solana and Polygon. Um, but like you can't do like a $40 um, gas transaction fee, right? right? And tip someone like a dollar. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, so we're looking forward. We're, we're adding um, Solana support in H1. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I think that's going to allow us to uh, do the tipping at scale um, on chain, peer-to-peer uh, -peer tipping. Basically. So right now when tips are off chain, how does that work? How does the BAT actually get into my wallet? Yeah, so what we do is we basically, um, based on how many ads you view, um, you get paid this amount of BAT. And it's actually not on-chain BAT, it's called virtual BAT. Um, now, if you connect into an exchange like Uphold or Gemini, then that'll automatically get converted from the virtual bet into real bet on, on that exchange. Um, we can't actually send the bet. One is because of uh, technology reasons like um, the high gas fees that I mentioned. Um, there's also anonymity. And then um, there's also like regulations that we can't pay someone for um, viewing ads without KYCing, AML laws, um, things like that. Makes sense. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned that you are implementing Solana soon. Um, why did you prioritize Solana over Layer Two, or is Layer Two just automatically EVM compatible, so you could do it through that? Yeah, we already have um, pretty much all Layer Twos because of the EVM compatibility. So mm. EVM compatible just means like it's um, the same protocol and same um, the same way to run contracts as Ethereum itself. So. You can um, just add, you can go to like chainlist.org and you can add Polygon, uh, XDAI, Binance Smart Chain, et cetera. Um, mm -hmm. And then it shows up just like any network uh, alongside Ethereum. Uh, but why push tipping to Solana instead of Polygon, for example? Um, I think that it would be nice to have it on all places, but um, you really want a solution that um, people can't track uh, on chain metrics as well. Um, so so it, can, it can be accomplished on more than one place and it probably will be in the long term. Are you saying that you can't track it on Solana or keeping it off chain, you're able to just en encrypt it yourself and then people can't track uh, like it? I'm saying you can tip, like, um, we don't, we don't want people knowing like every site that you visit, uh, people can discover your, your history and where you're tipping. And if they have that auto contribute feature, they could, they could then, if it was all on chain mm. uh, right now, they could, they can then kind of see which sites you visit. Right. Mm -hmm. So that wouldn't be ideal. So a big part of it is anonymity on, on who you're tipping as well. So that needs to be part of the solution. Very cool. So let's talk about decentralization a little bit. Um, sure. How decentralized is BAT? Uh, and then maybe to follow that up, does decentralization matter to retail? Yeah, so um, that is decentralized, I guess, because it's a token on Ethereum. And Ethereum is decentralized, so you can look at it that way. Like it's not like it's not running on its own network that we only have one server kind of running for it or anything like that. Um, it's also bridged across these different um, different networks, like I mentioned, like Polygon and Solana as well. Um, we are looking at um, the whole, um, like uh, how I mentioned, like virtual bat, we're looking at decentralizing that aspect of it as well. Um, and that's called Themis that we're doing. Um, and that'll, um, that's also like when you get paid for your for your ad rewards, it would be ideal to have that on chain. But I mentioned like the, the AML laws and things like that. Um, so, so we're looking at ways to like KYC uh, um, if you want to KYC a certain wallet on chain, you can do that as well and still get, still not have to go through an exchange. So that could be on the horizon as well. Mm -hmm. Do you think that like long-term, obviously you have mostly crypto audience right now, uh, and they want everything on chain, but in five, 10 years from now, most people who are using crypto won't even realize that they're using blockchain, at least in my opinion. So at that point, does it matter anymore? I mean, I think the big benefit of um, decentralization is that it can't uh, easily be controlled or shut down. Um, so I think that's a big, uh, a nice thing. It can't be easily censored, things like that. Uh, that's mm -hmm. the same same benefits as why we have like IPFS support. You can access content um, on like some some countries, for example, will ban um, certain parts of Wikipedia, for example. And you can, mm -hmm. with, with the IPFS support, you can still like uh, access that, for example. Awesome. Uh, do we have any chat questions for Brian? Ryan, do you have anything else you want to talk about? I know that you've been using Brave. You told me about it like four or five years ago. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't see any chat questions right now, but guys, please uh, send some questions in the chat if you do have any questions. But the last question I have for you, Brian, is, you know, how has bat adoption grown and how is that, you know, how is that compared to your expectations of the project? Yeah, I don't have any numbers on me right now, like on how, how the bat adoption has grown, but I know like the, the community, it's one of the top crypto projects if, um, by, by like stats of community and by just number of uh, wallets that, that hold bat. Um, mm. And just by looking at like the creator's growth as well, um, I think it's, um, if you go to brave.com slash transparency, there's a link to, it. I think it's uh, brave.info. And that kind of shows the traje trajectory of the growth over all the different uh, content creators over time. Uh, and it gives a lot of great stats as well. It's not even owned by Brave. It's like um, uh, an independent uh, person that, that came up with that site. And Brian, users can get paid to you know have the same experience they do on Chrome. They can get paid to use Brave instead. Is there any reason you could think of why everyone shouldn't switch over? No reason at all. <laughs> Not even the same experience, Logan, a better experience. You don't yeah. even need to have ads and it's faster, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's significantly faster because of all the, the, the tracking blocking that I do. Yeah. Awesome. Brian, let me ask, are you interested in NFTs at all? Is Brave doing anything in the NFT space? Yeah, we want to have um, one of the best uh, NFT wallets out there. So we're looking at all the different players. And um, our original uh, has uh, our original release of wallet has very minimal NFT support, but it does support it. Um, but we want to have like uh, price discovery, uh, galleries, things, uh, collection, uh, base price, um, floor price, uh, uh, things like that, just built right into the wallet. Um, I, I only have like a few NFTs just for testing and things like that. But, um, but we're definitely um, looking forward to the, uh, the innovation and potential in that space. Yeah, I think we all are. So, yeah. Brian, let me ask you, what, what's exciting you right now in the crypto market at large? Um, you know, I'll let you interpret this one however you want. Um, I'm looking forward to the Solana support really and, and breaks. I think that's like, once, once we have that, we can start to do like these things like peer to peer tipping. And, um, I think that things are really going to start taking off after that. Um, so I would say just, um, I, I, I think the current space is being held back so much by this high gas fees. And once we can get past that, and if we can ever get to Ethereum two, and, and, uh, I think that the potential is really going to start taking off um, all the economic experiments and uh, DeFi um, innovations is just kind of amazing to watch too. It's, it's better than like a good TV show. <laughs> it's better than any like Netflix video that you want to watch. Like just watching the space is, is pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Ryan, I see we got a chat question there. Could you pull it up for us? Sure thing from garage guy, Carl. Yes. Okay. Garage guy, Carl asks, what is the future of Brave and what are you looking to add? Sure. Um, so, I mean, uh, the browser, search, and wallet are like the three biggest things. There's also things like VPN that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, the wallet team is um, probably just as big as the browser team now and it just keeps mm -hmm. growing. So um, we have some some really uh, great talent there as well. So. Um, we're looking at like the best wallets out there. Like when, when we're looking to build a great wallet, we're not just looking at like what does MetaMask have. That like MetaMask has basically the minimum bar, <laughs> and uh, so so we're looking at other wallets. Um, and and, uh, and and we want to like kind of like the best the best wallet available to everyone. Um, and just having uh, we're about to release the wallet on mobile um, in just about a week as well. Um, so it's going to be available on Android and iOS, and then. Uh, just after that, we'll have like DApp support on mobile, um, and just having a mobile uh, DApp browser that's uh, has a wallet built in is going to be pretty awesome because you can use apps like MetaMask uh, on mobile, but it's just not kind of not the same uh, experience because it's not built to be a browser, right? So it's not mm -hmm. a really good browser. So you can either pick like a good wallet right now, or you can pick a good browser. Like, um, but this will give you both at the same time. Very cool. I want to hear if you guys are using Brave. Drop a comment in the chat if you are using it currently, if you've been using it for a while, or if you plan to switch over. Brian, thank you so much for stopping by today and sharing all this with us. A big fans of the project over here at Benzinga. I just want to give you one last chance. If you want to uh, shout out any team members, uh, you know, your dog's Twitter, yourself, whatever it is, the floor is yours. Yeah, uh, twitter.com slash brave is, is our Twitter account. I'm uh, at Brian Bondi for Twitter. Um, the team's just amazing. I don't want to name people because uh, I'll inevitably forget some people, but uh, we have a really great team around around the wallet and around the browser itself. And uh, um, 
looking forward to all the innovation that's coming. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers. All right, Ryan. You know what time it is? Is it time for Moon or Bust? Da, 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 da. Y'all already know what it is. Drop your coins in the chat. We have five minutes to take a look at as many projects as we can. So get going, spam them in, Ryan. Start pulling them up for me, calling them out, whatever you got to do. Yes, sir. It looks like the chat is sleeping right now, but we will take a look at your cryptocurrencies. And we only have five minutes, so get to it right now. Mike says TCG Coin (laughs) 2.0. This is going to be an interesting one if it's listed on CoinMarketCap. And it, it is. is listed. Let's go. All right. Let's take a look at their website. I feel like that's the best place to start. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I've been wanting to to do this the whole episode. (laughs) By the way, this hat is signed by Jim Harbaugh. Yo, that is hype. I did not know that. Well, then I got to take the headphones off. It's not going to fit over those headphones. All right. There we go. And now I have to have extreme balance for the rest of the episode. We have... Okay, this is too much. <laughs> that was fun while it lasted. TCG World, uh, largest open world metaverse NFT platform. This website looks pretty sick. You can register right now. You can check out the plot options. Uh, this looks like really, really built out. This is kind of blowing my mind. I mean, first pulled it up. We saw it was outside of the top 3,000, which, you know, I'd assume it's a shitcoin right off the rip. Uh, but looking at this website, man, I'm blown away. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, this looks really cool. And this game looks like, I mean, it looks like fun. It looks like something I would play once it's out. Uh, being that it's not even the 3,000th largest cryptocurrency oh right now, I mean, it presents an opportunity to get in if you think they're going to deliver on all this. And if they do, you know, that's when I'll be investing. Once I see the users on the platform, once I see, you know, myself being able to actually play this game. And now I see you pulled up the roadmap, Logan. When are they releasing this game? Because I want to play it. And once I can play it, I will definitely be investing. Let's see. Uh, the world launch public beta 2022, but you can register now for the private beta. Uh, and I feel like that's probably a good idea to get, a, you know, a real test whether or not this is worth investing in. This website I mean, it looks ridiculous. You could tell they spent a lot of time on it. Uh, so clearly they're hoping to really deliver here. This kind of reminds me, I, I saw that this is traded on the Binance Smart Chain. I don't know if it's just a uh, you know Binance Metaverse play, but this looks like the Binance, uh, the Star Atlas of the Binance ecosystem. Let's mm-hmm. zoom out. Let's see. The token has been trading for literally just like two, three months now. Uh, and it ripped during the, the Metaverse season that we had a couple of weeks ago. What However, up to? their market cap is pretty small right now. It went all the way up to a dollar and thirty cents per coin. Uh, but let's see if we can find the tokenomics on the website. Whoever called this out, shout out to you. This is an insane pick, uh, and it's definitely one that we'll have to keep our eyes on in the future. But let's see to, uh, tokenomics. Let's see if I can skip to it. No, I can't. All right. Well, I'm going to say that I really like this website and it looks like a crazy project. Let's see if we can find whoever the team is. Oh, wow. Okay. So random person off the team, click on their LinkedIn, see if they're a real person. Checks out. Doesn't look too bad. Let's see if we could find the the company. One mutual connection, Logan. People. Huh. This is pretty, pretty impressive. I have some mutual connections with these people. Uh, yeah, so this is, uh, I think this this could be huge. I'll have to check out what their market cap is. Like, you know, it's really hard to tell um, how many tokens are out right now. Uh, say that there's only like 100,000 tokens out right now, then uh, their market cap is going to be a lot 
lot higher than CoinMarketCap is reporting. This rank right here is totally untrustworthy right now because they don't know the circulating supply. But uh, it's hard to tell how big exactly this project is, but it looks really good. Um, looks like there's a real team behind it who is doxxed. Uh, so yeah, if you could figure out the tokenomics, I'd say it's a moon. Yeah, and I won't give it a moon or a bust right now because, like I said earlier, I want to see the adoption. I want to see the game actually come out because, you know, my mom could offer a metaverse game that doesn't really mean anything. It's all about the delivery, and we see a lot of people offering, you know, promising really huge things right now. So it's a moon for me as soon as we get that game out. Uh, the, the day that your mom drops a metaverse game, let me know, okay? Okay, the Jackieverse. Oh. <laughs> the Jackievers. That's funny. Shout out to Jackie. All right. We have run over. That is all we have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, to this bloody crypto weekend. Uh, we remain bullish. You already know what it is. Go back to the technical analysis in the beginning. And don't forget to smash the like button. Subscribe to the Benzinga channel if it's your first time here. And check out the crypto channel. Uh, top link in the description below if you're here for that crypto content. We got some shorter form non-live stream stuff coming at you soon. Uh, but yeah, Ryan, got any closing remarks for us? Yeah, guys, if you're new around here, check out our Telegram that we started not too long ago. And you can get 25% off some swag on swag.benzinga.com. So some really cool stuff. If you, if you watch the show, you've probably seen us wear that ETH hat, uh, wear a Bitcoin hat. We have some cool merch. So check it out. You'll get 25% off. Also, uh, check out our Twitter. It's mostly mine. But if you want to check out Logan's as well. I will uh, I'll offer you some therapy through the DMs for this tough week in the markets if you check me out on Twitter. Um, I don't know if Logan can offer the same thing. Probably not. So, yeah, check me out. No, I'm not a registered therapist. So, no, I, I cannot. But if you DM me, you know, you'll never know what's going to happen. You'll have to find out. <laughs> All right. That's it. See you guys on Friday. Peace. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com.